back to the David Glenn Show. We'll, we'll take more of your phone calls, best and worst of the weekend style, a little bit later. Jim Zoki will bring us up to date on all things NFL. A great wild card weekend is in the books. Four more great matchups awaiting us next weekend. The Panthers are still in search mode for their next head coach. One of their targets, the twice interviewed by David Tepper, Mike McCarthy, is in the process of signing instead with the Dallas Cowboys. As we bring in Ryan McGee on college football and some early NFL entries, Tua Tungavailoa, Alabama quarterback, just an hour or so ago, made it official that he is joining a whole bunch of Nick Saban's underclassmen in jumping early to the next level. Jim Zoki on the NFL and the Panthers search in 30 minutes. Ryan McGee on Clemson versus LSU. That is the national championship matchup. One week from tonight, Tua Tungavailoa, the quarterback from the Crimson Tide, both sensational numbers but also injury-related questions given the time he has missed last season and again this season. Ankle, hip, and other issues, but Tua, number three on Mel Kuyper's big board, is nevertheless expected to be a high first-round pick by whatever NFL team is picking that early and also needs a quarterback. The LSU-Clemson matchup brings about trivia, including, did you know they're both nicknamed Tigers? But beyond that, I've been to both Death Valleys, and I don't have a dog in the hunt, as the old saying goes. Which is the real Death Valley is the question that pops up from time to time. If you've never been to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, you are greeted with a neon bright gold sign that says in capital letters, Welcome to Death Valley. And LSU is one of the loudest places I have ever been in any sport at any level. And they actually read poetry. Prior to an LSU football game, they include these words. It is a pantheon of concrete and steel. It is a Louisiana gumbo of humanity. It is the cathedral of college football. And it is Saturday night in Death Valley. Some version of that is read, poetry style, before an LSU home game in its Death Valley. Well, you all know I've been covering the ACC since 1987. I think that was the first year I went to that Memorial Stadium version of Death Valley. And where there's no poetry read over the public address system, not that I heard when I went to a Clemson home football game, there is a sign in more plain fonts, as described in Ryan McGee's article at ESPN.com, that says Clemson welcomes you to Death Valley. Now, it's more about the football, big game, a week from tonight. But he also, Ryan, did dug into deep style the death valley controversy ryan mcgee which is the real death valley well <laughs> hey man happy new year and it <laughs> welcome depends back on, it depends on the context of your question um you know i think if you're asking what was the original death valley then the answer is clemson um as you know it, they, they have tim Bray, as you know the longtime sports information director historian yep has done uh, exhaustive research on this and has a signed affidavit from a former Presbyterian College Blue Hose football <laughs> player who says that he heard his old coach, uh, you know, PC used to be the, the like the traditional season opener for Clemson, and uh, and they lost 76 to nothing, something like that, and it was 150 degrees because it was early September in upstate South Carolina, and he had just been in the actual Death Valley on his way to the Olympics in Los Angeles, and he said, he goes, this is college football's Death Valley. So that's the first official title. And then down, it, the first time I, I went to LSU was in the early 90s, and everyone was calling it Death 
Valley with an F. And I remember it. Hmm. And and so I was like, that's awesome. Because, you know, I've grown up in the ACC and in the Carolinas and graduating high school in Greenville, South Carolina. I've been to Death Valley a hundred times. And I, I was like, well, surely LSU didn't just copy that. And they were calling it Death Valley because it's so loud. And uh, and eventually that transitioned over to Death with a T-H. And, uh, and now they both call it that. And uh, to me, all due respect to Trevor Lawrence, and uh, Joe Burrow, to me, the greatest controversy will be who has the real death valley. Well done. Ryan McGee joining us on the David Glenn Show. Find that article among many others at ESPN.com. He is an outstanding senior writer there. Also joins in the Marty and McGee podcast, ESPN Radio, SEC Network. On Twitter, you can follow him at ESPN McGee. The Tigers versus the Tigers is one week from tonight. Before we dive back into that game, Let's uh, get your thoughts on the news of the afternoon. Several other Alabama Crimson Tide underclass superstars had already announced publicly that they're jumping early to the next level. It was only the quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa, that got the press conference with Nick Saban by his side. Uh, tell us why they did this decision that way, and then what is your two cents on Tua's decision to, through great performance but also serious injuries, uh, jump to the next level in his eyes, of course, hopefully as a very high first-round pick? Well, I think that uh, just because he's Tua, uh, he warranted the special attention, and he warranted his own press conference, and he warranted the, you know, honestly, Saban talked longer than Tua did. Or I, I was like, Coach, we get it. Shut up. <laughs> we want to hear what the player has to say. But, it, but it's um, – but but he deserves that. You know, I, I was I was talking with Marty Smith earlier about, you know, I was trying to think of the transcendent college football players and the people that, like, you know, I always say the ultimate test of this is like my wife, who could care less about it. Right. But there's a handful of players that she knows immediately by one name only. You know, it's Herschel and it's Bo and, you know, Tebow. And, and I certainly would put two on that list. And he did not win a Heisman Trophy. And that's why I was kind of like, well – you know, what is it about him and how long is that list of players you can think of who didn't win a Heisman, who won, and I'm putting it in air quotes, only won national championship because he only played at the end of that game. Uh, he won the game, but he only played at the end of the game. And so, you know, I was trying to think of players that didn't win a Heisman, you know, didn't win a pile of rings like everyone had predicted, but yet still was beloved. Uh, or wherever you were in the country, people wanted to talk about him. People asked you about him, and and it's a short list. I mean, it's maybe Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning. Uh, you know, two is certainly there. Deshaun Watson's probably on that list, but but it's not a long list, and uh, and and it just says a lot about him as a person because everyone believed that he deserved that special stage today, except for him. If you watched it, you could see he was very uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> and and it was uh, because it was a little too much about him. And that's part of what makes him a special person. We all know LSU QB Joe Burrow has one more game to play a week from tonight before he becomes a very high first-round NFL draft pick. But Tua will get different questions at the NFL Combine, which starts February 24th in Indianapolis. You know the combo here. I mean, on the one hand, the guy has sensational numbers during his time at Alabama. On the other hand, multiple ankle problems, a serious sounding hip issue. You know, some said, dude, why don't you just jump now? 
why put your body at risk of another season uh, significant injury while representing the Crimson Tide? At least get paid the millions to do it. How complex are those medical evaluations or interviews going to be? Because even for guys who skip workouts, you know, they usually have to provide those sorts of things to the NFL. Yeah, and, and that's going to be the whole thing. I mean, that's going to be the entire process for him is going to be, um, you know, it's going to be those questions because he will not be able to participate in the workout um, at the level that he would want to. And, um, and it's, uh, you know, I, I go back to, um, and, and he was not going to be a number one draft pick, but I always go back to Marcus Lattimore at South Carolina, who was going to be a first-round draft pick and who was also beloved around the country and, and still is. You know, he's on the payroll still at the University of South Carolina as, as a fundraiser, ambassador, you know, whatever you want to call him. But I was with Marcus. You know, he blew, his one, he blew one leg out and then had this unbelievable physical comeback and then suffered an equally devastating, if not worse, injury um, the following year uh, against Tennessee. And, um, and the outpouring of, of – uh, it was, it was, it was, there's emotional part, right? Everybody wants him to come back, and I was with him down at Dr. James Andrews' place as he's trying to get ready for the draft and get ready for, you know, his pro day at South Carolina, where all he could really do was walk through a couple of pass routes. He still received a standing ovation from the scouts, but then there's the reality part of it, which is physically, what can you do? Mentally, we know what he's capable of. Mentally, we all know what Tua Tagovailoa is capable of. We know what he's capable of being when he's at 100% physically. But he hasn't been for the majority of the last two years. And so those are the questions he's going to face, and he'll be okay with it. But, you know, those NFL guys are ruthless when it comes to those questions. And they also don't want to spend as much money if they don't have to. And so uh, it will be very much like an arbitration hearing for him for the next 12 months. You had a really interesting tweet recently, and folks can follow Ryan McGee of ESPN at ESPN McGee. You said among those who did not win the Heisman Trophy – there are only so many that you described as universally respected. And Andrew yeah. Luck's name came up. Deshaun Watson's name came up. Peyton Manning's name came up. And you wrote that Tua belongs on that list. We all watch him play. You know, how many other layers are there to, to why he makes such a prestigious list? Because uh, universal respect is just not something we see all that often. It's not, and if you and I've been very fortunate in my career to have spent a little bit of time with all of those players you just listed, and there's just something about it. I remember, I remember Peyton Manning's last year at Tennessee, and of course he famously came back for his senior year, had a similar press conference like what what Tua's was today, except he said he was coming back. I remember I went there. We, we got him. Uh, Steve Cyphers was our hmm. uh, our college football reporter at ESPN in the, in the mid to late '90s, and I went with Cyphers up to uh, to Tennessee on the Friday before Peyton Manning's last home game. It was against Vanderbilt. And, you know, Manning's 21 years old, and I had not – I'd never met him. I, I'd graduated Tennessee before he got there. And he sat down and did an interview with us, and then he proceeded to sit there and talk to us for 20 minutes. And it was like talking to a 50-year-old. Yeah. And he got up and walked off, and Cyphers looked at me, and he goes, that's the Peyton. Hmm. And, 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 and his point was there's just there's an air about him and it's not arrogance. It's just a mature, nice, you know, thoughtful human being. And it's like that with Tua. It's like that with Jalen Hurts. It's like that with Deshaun Watson, Andrew Luck. I mean, all these guys that you've listed off, uh, there's just something about them. And you can, you can sniff out whether it's genuine or not with all these guys. They're still kids. And, um, and everything about him is genuine. And I, I feel this way. I think 
DG, I think right now, I think we have more really good kids playing at an extremely high level of football right now than we've ever had in the history of the game. I look at those guys that were in New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony, and you throw two in there, and you throw some of these other guys we're talking about in there. But, you know, Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow and, and Justin Fields, and I've had time with all these guys, and it's just you can't be an idiot yeah. and run the offenses that these teams run now or play the defenses that these teams play now. You just you can't be a caveman anymore. You can't just go out there and just knock people down. You have to be smart. It's math. You know, it's, it's science when you're trying to figure these playbooks out. And so, as a result, there's way more good kids right now than there are bad ones. His name is Ryan McGee. That is a grand statement worth celebrating for me as a lover of college football. ESPN senior writer, last thing for you. I know we have a week to wait but what is your just quick snapshot? We may even have you back between now and a week from tonight. Uh, what's your quick early snapshot on, you know, whether one side has a significant advantage over the other or whether Clemson LSU is, you know, the truly perfect matchup that could go either way? Well, I think that what LSU has going for them, I mean, number one, I mean, obviously the, the awards cabinet is what it is, right? Yeah. And they won them all. And, Coach of the Year, every Player of the Year award. You know their defense is better than people realize. The middle of the year when they were giving up so many yards and points, half that, that that secondary was missing, and they're all back now. So what LSU has that Clemson doesn't, and we've heard it all year, is that schedule. And it's not Clemson's fault that the ACC is down, um, but the schedule is what it is versus LSU's. You, you you think about that Texas game in the context of where it was played, week two, two top eight teams at Texas. I was at that game, and you know, winning a slugfest over Auburn at home, you know, feeding Alabama. You know, you, you go back and look at that schedule that LSU played, and there was not a lot of time to catch your breath. And, and I think that that serves you well when you get to the college football playoff, as opposed to an Ohio State whose schedule was very backloaded, or a Clemson whose schedule was very backloaded, or Oklahoma whose schedule was very backloaded. If you've dealt with it all season long, um, I think you have a mental advantage. But that being said, Clemson's defending national champions. So uh, we'll, we'll see. Ryan McGee, check out the great article, Who Has the Real Death Valley? That piece at ESPN.com as we speak. Of course, coverage all week long by the worldwide leader, including senior writer Ryan McGee, leading up to Tigers versus Tigers a week from tonight. Thanks for the visit. Happy New Year to you and yours, my friend. Appreciate your time. Anytime, buddy. Thanks. You got it. Jim Zoki on the NFL and the Carolina Panthers ongoing search. The New York Giants appear to have Baylor head coach Matt Rule as their favorite so far, although at least four others also have been interviewed by the Giants. The Cowboys are in the process, it's all but official, of hiring former Packers head coach Mike McCarthy, a guy who had interviewed with five different NFL teams, including the Panthers twice. What does that leave for the Panthers? What does that leave for the Cleveland Browns? Well, Carolina supposedly is talking to Giants target Matt Rule today. The Baylor Bears head coach has had other success at the college level as a head coach, but also a background that includes years as an assistant in the NFL. Eric Bieniemy, Chiefs offensive coordinator. Josh McDaniels hasn't interviewed yet, but the Patriots OC is expected to talk to the Panthers later this week. Interim head coach Perry Fuel is expected to interview with the Panthers this Wednesday, but is not considered, according to those sources that we trust, a serious candidate for the full-time job. Vikings 
Vikings offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski is supposedly on David Tepper's target list as well. Of course, the Vikings this weekend beat the Saints in New Orleans, which means you might have to wait a little while if Kef Kevin Stefanski is truly your top target. More on the Panthers situation, the wild card weekend that was fun matchups this coming weekend. Vikings at 49ers, Seahawks at Packers on the NFC side of the bracket, Titans at Ravens, Texans at Chiefs on the AFC side. We'll talk playoffs, coaching care, and Panthers with Jim Zoki, Panthers radio analyst, next on The David Glenn Show. The David Glenn Show, where the great guests have so much fun, they never want to leave. I'll come give you a pep talk before your next show if you need me to. We could use that from you, Webb Simpson, anytime. Hey, I'll be your intern after this, this is everything open, man. We'll take Joe Harris as an intern every day <laughs> and twice on Sunday. Listen weekdays to The David Glenn Show. David Glenn Show. Josh is in Asheville and next up on Best and Worst of the Weekend. We take your questions and your comments on all events of the sports world over these last three days. We also take your votes. What was the best thing you saw? What was the worst thing you saw? Carolina basketball. NC State basketball. Heels lost at home to lowly Georgia Tech. Wolfpack lost on the road to lowly Clemson. The Saints and the Patriots with 40-plus-year-old quarterbacks lost at home where they rarely lose, including in the postseason, ending those seasons and putting those futures in jeopardy. It was the Vikings taking out the Saints in New Orleans. It was the Titans taking out the Patriots in Foxborough. Tom Brady at 42 becomes a free agent on March 18th. Drew Brees turns 41 years old this month. Of course, the best of the weekend votes are all over the place as well. As we come to your votes and look forward to Jim Zoki later this hour. What you probably know about Jim is that he's the Carolina Panthers radio analyst. We'll talk coaching carousel. Where do the Panthers go from here now that one of their targets, Mike McCarthy, is going to join the Dallas Cowboys instead? What you might not know about Jim Zoki, and I hope he's willing to share more uh, about a story that he publicly shared. Otherwise, I would not have mentioned this back in December. When his children were at Ardrey Kell High School in the Charlotte area, they had a friend named Abdul. Abdul was homeless and living in a shelter. Jim and his wife fostered Abdul. And this past December, meaning like less than a month ago, Abdul not only graduated from NC State, but earned a degree in microbiology. Jim Zoki and his family were part of making that magic happen, although I'm sure they will tell us that it was all about Abdul. Just a great heartwarming story that we'll ask Jim about beyond, of course, his expertise on the NFL. Josh is in Asheville, North Carolina. You can follow him by dialing 1-800-849-2761. Josh, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Thanks for having me, man. I love the show. Appreciate for having me. Thank you. So uh, I've, I've been in South Louisiana all my life. I live in Asheville now, and uh, my grandpa told me an old story a long time ago. So Tiger Stadium in uh, – was built in 1924, and there was an old gas station named Death Valley, about a half a mile down the road where people kind of got what they needed before they went to the game. And D-E-A-F, actually, Death Valley. Right. Because even in the 1960s, Bear Bryant said it was like playing inside a drum. You couldn't hear anything. It was <laughs> the hardest place to play in Baton Rouge. Uh, so I hate to say it, but I am from South Louisiana. love my Saints, love my LSU Tigers, but we are known as Death Valley, and I think it's <laughs> – miscued because it's about 100 degrees when you're in you know over there watching a football game so you feel like it's death valley but we are known as you 
cannot hear anything. And if you've ever been to a New Orleans Saints football game, yeah. you can't hear anything over there either. No, you can't. Uh, I'll tell you what, I've been to both Death Valleys. I've actually never been to, you know, what they call the original Death Valley in California, not sports-related, that other Death Valley. I've never been to that one. I've been to both sports-related Death, death Valleys. And I just say to both fan bases and to both Tigers, uh, y'all have earned your reputation because, man, it is hard to beat the Clemson Tigers at Memorial Stadium, and it is hard to beat the LSU Tigers at Tiger Stadium. So I have no problem with both claiming Death Valley, but I appreciate your story because Ryan McGee did a deep dive for his, you know, who's the real Death Valley story that he just posted, and I don't think that story was in there. A lot of other stories were in there. And again, Clemson apparently has the first right to an official reference to Death Valley. It came from an opposing coach not quite 100 years ago. Uh, but one more stone to add to the mountain of evidence that both are worthy of the Death Valley logo. Of course, they both they go head-to-head a week from tonight in that national championship game. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Speaking of famous footnotes from college football history, have you ever seen... Darren, you're more of a baseball guy and a basketball guy, and you're younger than I by about two decades. I don't even know if you've ever been to Death Valley, meaning the Clemson Death Valley, closer for us. But my favorite part about something that I know would be on your radar, even if you've never touched Howard's Rock, you know, that's the, the at the top, you touch Howard Rock, and then you run down the hill. Right. Clemson football players, et cetera. And, you know, if you're a lucky media member like me, They'll let you touch it. I think now it's in an enclosed, maybe even lockbox now because there has been some vandalism over the years. Back then, I mean, I was just a young guy, and I was like, can I touch it? You know, am I going to be arrested or whatever? <laughs> and I was allowed to touch it. So, you know, and I got to run down the hill and all that stuff, so it was really neat. Now, my favorite part, not Death Valley related, but Clemson football history related, Howard's Rock you would describe as one of the more iconic things for lack of a better word yeah. in all of ACC sports sure. history right? I, I don't even know what kind of category it would fit into but it's just it falls right in with the the lore and tradition of of what certain home venues have to offer a Clemson alumni named Sam Jones was driving through the desert known as Death Valley in California and found a big chunk of rock And by this point, Clemson's Death Valley had already earned its name for reasons explained by our guest Ryan McGee earlier. So when Clemson along Sam Jones gets back to Clemson, South Carolina, with this big rock from the physical Death Valley in California, he brings it to the old school famous Clemson football coach, Frank Howard. And is like, isn't this cool? You know, Death Valley, Death Valley. Now you have a rock from Death Valley. Now at this point, it's not yet called, remember, Howard's Rock. It's not famous at all at this point. It's just a nice Clemson alum with a nice idea that Frank Howard, the football coach, who was a little bit of an ordinary personality, okay, his famous quote, one of my favorites in ACC history, do you remember what he said when he was asked why Clemson? I think he became the athletic director after being the famous football coach. Why Clemson would not add rowing as a varsity sport, like a scholarship sport? His, his answer, just think of an old, ornery former football coach. I'll be damned if I'm going to be spending any of my football money to pay kids to sit on their ass and go backwards. That was his, that, <laughs> that was his answer as to why he was anti-rowing scholarships or whatever. Uh, that's, 
you know, paraphrased story from back in the day. So Frank Howard was so inspired, Darren, by the rock brought from the California Death Valley that he used it as a doorstop in his office. Like he told the secretaries to get rid of it. And somebody thought, well, you know, at least it'll stop his door. I've got a doorstop here in my studio, right? Instead of one of those triangular type things that you just slide under the door so it doesn't slam shut, he used this weird-looking rock from California's Death Valley as a doorstop. Like maybe the secretaries just didn't want to throw it away entirely, but that's how little he thought of what eventually became Howard's Rock, one of the most iconic things in the history of a league that's now, what, almost 70 years old. That's a true story. Or as someone liked to say, the rest of the story. 1-800-849-2761. Jim Zoki on the other side. What is Mike McCarthy going to bring to the Dallas Cowboys rather than the Carolina Panthers who interviewed him twice? Where does David Tepper go from here? He supposedly is interviewing Baylor coach Matt Rule today. He talked to Eric Bieniemy of the Chiefs last week. He wants to talk with Josh McDaniels of the Patriots later this week. He will talk with interim head coach Perry Fuel on Wednesday, although Fuel again, is not expected to be a serious candidate for the job. And Kevin Stefanski, Vikings offensive coordinator, remains on the radar, but since Minnesota won this weekend, he's busy with a game plan on how to beat the San Francisco 49ers. Where do the Panthers go from here? What about Wild Card Weekend? What about next weekend in the NFL playoffs? We'll tap into the NFL expertise of Jim Zoki from the Carolina Panthers radio crew, and we will also ask him if he has anything to add to the Abdul has a microbiology degree from NC State story, a real heartwarming humanitarian story, Jim and the Zoki family fostered Abdul on his way to that degree he earned this past September or past December rather Carter in Winston-Salem wants in on more NFL you can join us on best and worst of the weekend too 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket in to the David Glenn show Jerome Robinson are you a hugger or a handshake guy how does it work if Adam Silver is waiting for you I really don't know I I hope it's not awkward (laughs) Um, you know I hope it's not like a hand to hug to hand kind of thing but I don't know I might just mess around and just hug him no hands I think he's a hugger you're listening to the David Glenn show welcome back to the David Glenn show One more chance for your phone calls a little bit later as we play Best and Worst of the Weekend. Jim Zoki of the Carolina Panthers radio crew is joining us now. We, of course, will talk to him about what was a wonderful wildcard weekend, four compelling close games that ended in one-possession margins of victory, two of those four in overtime, as the Texans and the Titans and the Seahawks and the Vikings all advance. The Panthers, of course, home for the holidays. No playoffs, but a coaching search continues. One of those they interviewed, Mike McCarthy, is reportedly headed to the Dallas Cowboys instead. We will talk football, coaching carousel, and more with Jim Zoki. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show, and Happy New Year to you and your family. I gave you a little heads up. Just in case uh, you didn't want to share everything about this beautiful story, but you had and with your family had a role in a young man's life named Abdul, who recently graduated from NC State with a microbiology degree. Tell us how he became a part of your family and uh, why you felt 
like sharing that great story with the world, including, I believe, anybody who wants to hire Abdul. Please reach out as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah, fast forward, most importantly, that's the part of that. But, uh, yeah, no, I appreciate you bringing it up, DG. Yeah, he, uh, long story short, was a young man who was 18 years old. When our kids were at Ardry Kell High School here in Charlotte, and one of the teachers notified us that Abdul was living in a homeless shelter because he had moved down with his sister and her family, and they had uh, lost their home. And so since he wasn't part of their direct family, he had to go live in a men's shelter and yet was traveling from the other side of Charlotte on a city bus at 5 in the morning to go mm. to high school every single day, didn't have a computer to work with. This is all 10 years ago. And um, long story short, we found out about him, visited him at work where he was working at a Wendy's in Ballantyne, uh, took him back to the homeless shelter, went back about an hour later said, this isn't going to work. We're going to bring him home. And we're just going to figure out yeah. a solution. And whatever that case is, we'll get him through high school. He's got a semester to go, right? So we bring him home. Um, turns out he was actually a junior, not a senior. He didn't know that, just his credits didn't all transfer from New York. So he ended up staying with us a year and a half through high school and then another year and a half beyond a total of three years of living with us, going to community college, eventually made his way to NC State. Uh, and he uh, did walk with his class uh, about two weeks ago at NC State. He actually has one more class to go. So cool. uh, he's 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 taking that right now, getting ready to start today, actually, the first day of that. So he'll be done in May, but he walked with his class, uh, essentially graduated. So he's got to finish just one microbiology class. Uh, but uh, truly a great, almost blindside kind of story. Uh, ours coincided a little bit earlier than the movie came out, so we didn't copy from the movie. <laughs> uh, to our credit, we did not chase a Division One first round athlete, uh, first round draft pick. Uh, although he probably, given the proper uh, background, if he had been in school long enough uh, at one school and not been in foster home after foster home would have made it but we did not adopt him we fostered him and uh, we continue to financially support him he's a part of our family of course was down for all the holidays during christmas break and uh, is a huge part of our family man that is a great great capitalize it underline it italicize it story thanks for sharing more about it you can actually sure. find the tweet from jim zoki our guest uh, by following him, him on twitter and just looking at his timeline it is at jim zoki sz O-K-E. And on to football. After that inspirational story, nothing else really matters, right? Everything <laughs> else we now discuss is extremely trivial in the broader scope of things. Nevertheless, we plow forward. Uh, the Carolina Panthers were intrigued enough by that Mike McCarthy guy that they reportedly interviewed him twice. Did you have any sense of any pecking order in the eyes of David Tepper? Now that, of course, we know McCarthy has taken the Dallas Cowboys job as the Panthers continue their search. No, but we could do a segue of job search from uh, NC State grad to uh, these coaching searches yeah, right? here. And I think you know, McCarthy obviously was the one that was available to be spoken to since he set out this past year. And so they did interview him twice, uh, but they're also today interviewing Matt Rule, who's mostly a college coach, spent some time with the New York Giants and in the NFL, but by and large is a college coach, and, and, uh, and visited with Eric Bieniemy, and will visit with others, including Josh McDaniels, and it looks like uh, Kevin Stefanski from the Vikings. So I think they're doing a broad search and getting a feel. First-time process, obviously, for David Tepper. So didn't have a pecking order other than the fact that McCarthy was the first one up and available. He'd been to Cleveland already to interview. Obviously, Dallas plucked him today. And uh, it made sense uh, that uh, a guy with those credentials, 13, 14 years with the Packers Super Bowl title, would be one of the guys that would take one of these uh, four or five jobs. So, uh, you know, Panthers have no sense of where they viewed him uh, in that. They haven't even interviewed everyone they're set to interview. But, you know, Cowboys obviously – 
targeted a win now approach with what they got and didn't want to bring something that's going to take two, three years. Jim Zoki joining us from the Carolina Panthers radio crew. I don't know how much football you watched given that the Panthers are out of the mix, but they were four compelling close games. They were mm-hmm. four relatively low scoring games. We see two 40 something year old quarterbacks eliminated on their home fields in Drew Brees and Tom Brady. What jumped out at you the most among four games where the Texans beat the Bills in OT, the Vikings beat the Saints in OT, and then it was Seahawks over Philly in Philly and Titans over Patriots in Foxborough? The larger scope clearly was that uh, seeding doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> just get in, just be in the top six in, in your conference, and anything could fly. And, and that much separates these teams. I really thought New Orleans might be the team that came out of the NFC this year. And if they got by the Vikings, who know maybe that would have happened because they're such a strong team up and down on defense to go with that great offense. So credit the Vikings for first of all having a great defensive philosophy there, and just being able to go down there and, and win that game in overtime. So that to me was very surprising. I thought the Titans would give the Patriots a good game just because the way they play ball control with Derrick Henry and new England just seems like they're not as good this year. They're, they're good, but not elite great. So it felt like that could be a contest. Uh, I don't know that many had the guts to call full out upset right. Titans to win at new England, but yeah, I watched a big chunk of all four of those games and what a great opening weekend of the tournament, so to speak. It was for college for the NFL. You compared to college. I mean, you're right. Nobody in regulation, scored more than the low 20s. You know, the Vikings got 26 with the overtime touchdown. Jim Zoki is with us. Next week's matchups are Vikings at 49ers, Seahawks at Packers. You saw a lot of the NFC. I just don't see an enormous amount of predictability when the Vikings go to the to San Francisco or the Seahawks go to Green Bay. I mean, I know the home teams are going to be favorites again. Do you see, like in, in other words, on the AFC side, I really see Baltimore and Kansas City as significantly better than everybody else, with all due respect to the Titans and the Texans and even the the departed teams. On the NFC, do you see anybody, not head and shoulders above everybody else, but, you know, built in a better way, harder to beat among those Vikings, Niners, Seahawks, and Packers? Now, first of all, I agree with you on the AFC and the two favorites. Uh, I think that, that that should play out. NFC, no, I, I could make a case for any of the four. I think, you know, Minnesota's really underrated. I think because the way they're playing now, you know, people view the way they started, but Kirk Cousins, after that first four or five weeks, was a different Kirk Cousins yep. as the season rolled on. And Mike Zimmer, just the just what they did defensively, the wizardry that they threw out there, unpredictable to do what they did against New Orleans last week. San Francisco's got a great defense, but against Baltimore, we saw in that primetime game, they gave up like 50-whatever points, so they could be gouged, and Garoppolo's just okay. And Russell Wilson, as we all know, left Raleigh to play in Wisconsin for a year. Yeah. is not going to have a, a horrible time playing in the weather of Green Bay. And this is not an elite Packers team, even that 13-3 and record. The Panthers almost beat them. So, yeah, I agree with you on both, both cases. I, I like the Ravens and Chiefs. And then yeah, throw the four in the hat in the AFC. And uh, you can make the case for any of the four. Seattle limping a little bit injury-wise as far as just roster depletion. But the other three, I think, uh, clearly, I think, have a great chance of getting there. Last thing for you, we all know that the Christian McCaffrey debate and the Cam Newton debate, they're for a little further down the road, even where they go with number seven in the first round. But you know how fans can be, man. They're on the edge of their seat. They see Washington hire Ron Rivera. They now see the Cowboys hire Mike McCarthy. 
there are some people who believe, and you said Matt Rule is talking to the Panthers at some point today. A lot of people believe he's going to end up filling the New York Giants vacancy. Mm-hmm. Remind us of whatever you know about David Tepper's way, you know, and, and, and is he kind of the more thorough guy that's going to just go through all of this and people need to exhale? Uh, or if he interviewed his favorite guy, you know, we could at any moment have a new head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I think it depends on the competition for it. Uh, and there's not a lot of competition, obviously. Right. You mentioned you know, the Cleveland's the other one, so Cleveland and the Giants. If you're interested in Josh McDaniels, you might want to interview and hire him at the same time. And I don't think he's a fit for the Giants because of Gettleman being there. I think McDaniels is one of those coaches that wants to have some say-so in who the front office is, which fits Cleveland, and they added a spot here in, in Carolina that they say they're going to fill in the front office. So I think Carolina, Cleveland for McDaniels are the fit. If the enemy, uh, I think they like a lot, obviously, coming in. If they felt somebody else was going to jump on that, he's going to be with Cleveland. Again, if they felt their hand was forced, probably so. I think he wants to be, if he can, in a perfect world, be thorough, not just make a jump at somebody, talk to all the candidates, and then pick from there. But uh, at least to their credit, there's not a lot of competition at this yeah. point, only two other teams. But, yeah, they they got to jump on it if they like one of those two coordinators, if they think, say, Cleveland, for example, would grab them first. His name is Jim Zoki. Shout out to you and your extended family for your role in the Abdul story, and congratulations to that young man for uh, you know basically completing. Stay on him about that final microbiology course, uh, but what a great story, and thank you for sharing it. Uh, happy New Year to you and yours from the David Glenn Show. Thanks, D.G. Anytime. Thanks. You got it. 1-800-849-2761. I, of course, will have my TV picks for this evening as we come down the stretch on the other side. We have a last call for phone calls. Carter in Winston-Salem has the NFL on his mind. Others, college basketball. Worst of the weekend? Carolina basketball, NC State basketball, the New Orleans Saints losing at home, the New England Patriots losing at home. The Carolina Hurricanes went 0-2, although I'm not sure that's worthy worst of the weekend given that they were playing two of the best teams in hockey, the Capitals and the Lightning, the latter of which has now won seven straight games. I was there to see both of those, by the way. Great game against the Capitals, 4-3 Washington over Carolina on Friday. The Lightning, as Rod Brendamore said at the end, uh, the, the Carolina Hurricanes had maybe their most disappointing effort of the whole season. I think Coach Brendamore said the only time through 40-plus games where he just felt they laid an egg. Like the effort wasn't there, the execution wasn't there, the passion, the energy. Uh, just a couple of early mistakes left. Peter Morazic hung out to dry. So it was the lightning more convincingly over the Canes, 3-1 to one yesterday. 4-3 on Friday night was more of a thriller. Uh, but I think we watched three of the top seven or eight teams in hockey. I, I really do. The Canes are still in playoff position, although not as comfortably after these two losses. They're four games into a seven-game homestand. It was kind of a best of the weekend for me to be able to host a lot of friends, David Jones and Jeff and Jessica from the western part of our state, Eric Montross and his son Andrew as well yesterday on Friday night, some other friends. It was a best of the weekend experience, but a worst of the weekend, I guess, when the Canes go 0-2 on Friday and Sunday. Best of the weekend, a lot of NFL, as you'd expect. Deshaun Watson was that Michael Jordan guy that Dabo Sweeney told us he would be. I mean, you're down 16 to nothing in the third quarter with the season on the line at home to Buffalo. Somebody's going to panic. Somebody's going to force things. Not Deshaun Watson. He ends up 
rushing and passing despite getting harassed. He was sacked seven times and yet led that comeback 22 to 19 overtime victory Deshaun Watson and the Texans Derrick Henry and the Titans Russell Wilson his top young wide receiver target DK Metcalf was huge as Seattle beat the Eagles in Philly and then Dalvin Cook Kirk Cousins uh, the final TD catch was by Kyle Rudolph on that controversial play Minnesota over the Saints in New Orleans. A lot worth celebrating there. 1-800-849-2761. Last call for phone calls. Final thoughts on the weekend that was and TV picks for this evening from the sports menu. That's as we come down the stretch next on the David Glenn Show. Roy Williams, welcome yeah. back to the David Glenn Show. Last year, two chains came walking by, and he reached his hand yeah. down and uh, shook my hand and said, two chains. And about five seconds after he walked away, I said, I missed a great opportunity. I should have said three rings. <laughs> Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. I promise we would squeeze Carter and Winston-Salem in as our last phone call of the day. I will offer final thoughts and TV picks as well. Carter, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, man. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, Big fan. Thank you. Um, So, best and worst of the weekend. uh, As a Wake Forest fan, definitely seeing Carolina lose. Getting, Mm. you know, the brakes beaten off of them. And then... NC State losing, you know. And then we go on the road and play Pitt and beat them after being 16 down. Like, can't get any better. Amen. I'm also. glad you squeezed that in there. I mean, it's one thing to cheer at other people's losses, but Wake went to Pitt and beat the Panthers, so good for Danny Manning and the Deeks. Yes, sir. And i uh, been a Panthers fan my whole life, too. Obviously, you know, not making the playoffs is tough, but, you know, seeing the, you know, hated Saints lose and the Patriots, or as I call them, the Patriots, they lose, you know. Can't get any better. So it makes I the wound hurt a little less, right? As a Panthers fan, yeah. you're hurting that they didn't make the playoffs. It just hurts a little less if the teams you hate the most most fall by the wayside. Thanks for calling, Carter, and for your loyalty and support. By the way, the new poll is out. Gonzaga remains at number one. The Zags, remember, the sixth different number one in college basketball this season. Duke stays at number two, and, man, they have looked good lately. Kansas, Baylor, and Auburn round out the top five. Florida State beat Louisville this weekend. The Seminoles move up to number 10. Louisville falls to number 13. UVA is the only the other team in the top 25 from the ACC at number 18. There are four locks. Duke, FSU, Louisville, and UVA. That's it. Whoever your fifth favorite team in the ACC is, ain't that overwhelming. They might be pretty good. They might be promising. They might be better when somebody returns from an injury. There are not five locks for the NCAA tournament. The number will end up being higher than that, but there are only four locks right now, and everybody else to one degree or another, is in scramble mode. TV picks tonight. The Pacers visit your Charlotte Hornets. The Thunder are on take on the Sixers on the NBA TV. College basketball, Miami of Ohio at Louisiana or against Louisiana in a bowl game. Enjoy. See you tomorrow. Mr. President Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.